Hello, welcome to the Period McMaster podcast, where we talk all about periods, tampons, and the experiences of our executive members and SLTs, Celia, Claire, Sarah, Michaela, Catherine, Chaplin, and Maeve. Period is a global nonprofit organization fighting to end period poverty and stigma through service, education, and advocacy. This year, our chapter is partnered with the Native Women's Center, where we donate monetary proceeds, masks, and period products. Now let's get on with the show. Okay, so I guess um, to start off with, should I just share my screen and then we'll watch the video and then I guess we can just get into a discussion. I think the hardest thing about being on the streets is probably being a female. If you're a woman, you like your face clean. You know, you like feeling good, smelling good. Yeah, period times are not good times for us. Hi, how are you? It is very difficult to have your period and very uncomfortable. Every day I wake up and I do my daily routine because nobody wants to smell, you know? And that's, that's kind of a big deal out here. I've been doing this for so long. I'm 27 years old. This will be my eighth winter out here straight. We had a pretty rough childhood growing up. My mom was a victim of domestic violence, and so she put us through a lot. I went into the system. She got custody of me again, and basically she was like, you know what, I don't want you in the system anymore, but you can't be here. I hadn't lived at home since I was, you know, 10 years old. You know, and I took care of myself. There was no keeping me home anyway, you know, whether she, if she wanted to or not. There's so many kids that it's like, they fall through the cracks, I guess. And that's kind of what happened with me. If you got cramps, <laughs> good luck, I don't know. Maybe get a, a, a water bottle and some hot water from Starbucks or something, you know, you can do that. Um, maybe some, steal some Motrin. It's a little stressful, you know, it pops up, it's, you're running around trying to get what you need. Every month they are placed in a crisis situation. You shouldn't have to decide between a pad and having lunch. A big box of tampons probably runs around $10, so that could be half of what we make during the day. I'll just go get the tampons that I need, and that'll leave me with nothing, because then, then I can't eat. Tampons and pads are so expensive here. I mean, like, the cheapest box of tampons in this Walgreens right here is, like, a little over $7. It's more money than me and my boyfriend spend on a meal together. I would rather be clean than, you know, be full. This is not a poor issue. This is not just about getting products to those who need them, which is obviously a priority. This is really about bringing dignity to women. Um, I, I tend to flock to places like this, which is like public parks, um, where they have public bathrooms. 
I come here to Thompson Square Park and um, I do my, my cleanup in the, in the sink. And I get a big cup, like, like the big McDonald cup, and um, I fill it up with water. I'll, I'll actually, like, I'll straddle it this way. You're able to, you know, pour water and, you, you know, use the soap and, um, and basically wash over the toilet and get a really good cleansing at the same time. That's the best way to actually get, you know, your feminine hygiene um, accomplished. There's little, like, little tricks that I've picked up along the way. If it's only a few minutes, like a couple of minutes, I've always just used, like, paper towels or toilet paper or something like that. It was like a napkin from, from a restaurant, you know, those, like, big white napkins. I've used toilet paper and plastic bags. I've used towels. Cotton balls work, makeup pads. I've used socks. I had to ball up the sock and put it there. I had an old tank top that was bleached and I stripped it. I had to go and rinse it out, squeeze it out, dry it, put it back. We went like four times that day. Sometimes if we didn't get things right away, we would just sit still, you know. Just sit still until we came up with something. And I've learned how to make my own tampons out of pads. So, you take the pad. I try to use tampons as much as I can, but tampons are expensive. And of course, ladies, you want to wash your hands first. <laughs> People tend to, when they do give care packages, it's usually pads. And then you tie them like this. And, but usually they're a little longer, and then you can tie a knot here, and then you can still have like the string. Basically, that's it. It produces infections, especially in some cases when women are wearing tampons for longer than they should, toxic shock syndrome. It is a health issue. Unfortunately, there really wasn't a clear policy on where women can access the products. There's different levels of homelessness. There's women in shelters. There's women in subways. There's women, you know, sleeping in parks. I used to be in a shelter, but I haven't been in one in a while because I don't drink and I don't do drugs anymore. And that's where most of the kind of crowd is, in a shelter. I feel safer out on the streets than I would in a shelter. Won't do it, I can't do it. I choose to be out here on the streets. <laughs> so why we needed to legislate this, as opposed to just changing a policy here or there, is that it is now the law of the land. You want to feel clean like everybody else, you know what I mean? I like being out here, but everybody has a story. See, you never, you don't really know people, and everybody has a reason for the things that they do. They do, you know? So, that's kind of my story. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, um, any thoughts on that video? I can't imagine having a super heavy period and not being comfortable or having, like, access or privacy to a washroom like uh, one of the women said that she went to a park because there's private there's washrooms there but imagine if you can't get to that park or if it's like really cold outside and it's hard for you to enter like there's places where you have to eat before entering the washroom and stuff like that if you don't have continual like access to a washroom where you can clean yourself all the time or check if you're like bleeding through your clothes or something like that then it can make it's super uncomfortable, especially if you're mm -hmm. in a, like a really busy area too. And like, you're like, oh, if people can see me bleeding,
but um like it depends on the person too like if they don't care if people can see them bleeding but like i feel like and also like their clothes too then they'd have to clean their clothes as well so it, it could be really really hard yeah for sure and like it just i just wonder like where do they dry their underwear their clothes you know if like it does bleed through and like because of the pandemic it's even worse because um i think accessibility is really an issue right now um and i'm more worried uh that you know homeless women don't have access to places they need and i i just think it's really unfair like i i was really shocked when um they were mentioning the substitutes for uh pads or tampons like they were mentioning like using plastic bags or bleached um tank tops and socks so i thought that was like I don't know. I just can't imagine myself like using that because sometimes my cramps can get bad and like it can get very uncomfortable. So it's just like that much harder for them. So yeah. And also like it it also just highlights how it's a complete health issue as well. And what you said about drying these things, it's like damp, you know, clothing, you know, having, wearing things that are wet, it's just like a, it, it just like harbors way more infection. And it's so much easier to get those like harmful infections than it would be in dry clothes. Um, and like, especially too, if they're having to wear the same products for like an extended period of time, it just all adds up. And you just think like, you know, how dangerous that really is. And, you know, it's not just a comfortability thing. It's also a huge health risk and danger. And I think that's like, you know, something that I don't, I feel like a lot of people don't realize that, you know, it's not just being uncomfortable. It's like actually very dangerous. I feel like a lot of people might not know about this, but I'm pretty sure people in the government know about this stuff. And it's weird that this is like something that's been coming into like light recently. Like that video came out when 2016 or something like that. Like a lot of the period um, that like media stuff that talk about um, how to deal with your period and stuff like that, they don't really address what happens to homeless women. It's mainly for people who are comfortable, um, like have, or can access what, like it just tells them what, this is what's gonna happen to you, but it doesn't really address this issue though. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you mentioned government because at the end, like near the end of this video, they had this fact that stated New York City recently became the first US city that requires public schools, jails, and homeless shelters to provide free pads and tampons. Out of all of these three institutions that they mentioned, jails shocked me the most because how can people be put into prison and not be provided period products? Like how can you be put into um, an institution like that where you know, you're supposed to have at least your basic needs met and still not have access to period product? It was just like, who is developing these policies and why are these policies being developed? Um, so I looked more into it, and um, what I basically found was that um, in prisons, there's apparently like a limit on how um, how many pads or like tampons a prisoner could get every month. Um, and also, like if you need to access more pads or more paired products, it's 
you, you're charged for it. So um, for example, um, in uh, the federal prison, two tampons cost $5.55 and a pair of panty liners can go all the way up to $1.35, which is very expensive. And this is a stat that I found for US prisons and not um, Canadian prisons. I don't know why there wasn't even like enough um, articles talking about Canadian prisons and what um, experiences of menstruators are within these prisons. Um, I, it was just really shocking to me, the fact that people aren't even talking about this. Like what if there is a similar situation happening in Canada and we're just not speaking about it enough? Yeah, that's actually so crazy. Like two tampons cost $5.55. Like, like, let me just ask you guys, like how many tampons do you use per day? Like around, like at least for me, it's like, like three to four. Like for me, I'm just really scared. I'll get toxic shock syndrome too, but also because like, you know, it can get bloated and then you just want to change it to feel sanitary. So that's what, like, like 20, over $20. Yeah. Yeah, in high school. I feel like I go through, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) Okay, I was kind of what you were saying, Claire. Like, I feel like I go through so many in a day because I'm also always scared I'm going to bleed through. And, like, sometimes I wear, like, tampons and pads, like, at the same time just because, like, I don't want to bleed through my clothes. And it kind of, like, makes me think kind of what we were talking about in the beginning, just, like, not even the idea of, like, your health is, like, being compromised for not having access to products but also just like your dignity like I I feel like I lose my dignity when I bleed through my clothes I feel so embarrassed and like it's just like an awkward like situation um and I couldn't even imagine um being on the street and feeling like you're surrounded by people who are like looking at you and might not even see you as a human and um, having to worry about like bleeding through your clothes or um, having enough products um, and so yeah it's so hard it's weird because it's a necessity for a lot of menstruators and I don't see why prisons would not consider that as like they give them food but they wouldn't give them enough period products and they know that this is something that they go through every month so it doesn't make sense and like it, if you have like super heavy periods, like I remember in high school, I used to change my pad like two every two hours or something like that. It was a lot. Um, so like, I don't, it, it's just so uncomfortable. And over there, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they have like scheduled um, shower bath times, right? So that can make it even more difficult. Exactly. And um, I found this that that said that like in 2015, so not too long ago, um, uh, the Correctional Association of New York found that 54% of women in prison did not get enough sanitary pads, which is a big percentage of women in prisons not having access to necessary health products. And it is a concern and it should be so infuriating because These are government institutions where people are being deprived of things that they need to keep themselves healthy. Like um, it's a health concern. Um, And it was only a few years ago that um, federal prisons made menstrual products free. Um, And it's just federal prisons within the US that have free menstrual products. State prisons don't necessarily um, have 
free menstrual products, like some still have to pass those bylaws. And it was, um, I guess it was uh, kind of, I, I like came across this article that said that even though some state governments have passed this law that um, mandates free menstrual products in state prisons, some, it's like the law hasn't been fully enforced or implemented. So there's still state prisons where, you know, more than half the menstruators might not have access to period products. Um, and I just think it's so concerning, the fact that government institutions, like I know I keep on saying this over and over again, but the fact that, you know, institutions like prisons don't have menstrual, free menstrual products, like I never thought that that could possibly be something that women in prison might be deprived of. Or even just the price, like Jacqueline, when you said it was like two tampons for $5, like I know specifically like at Walmart, I for sure have bought like 50 tampons for $12. And I just think like how disgusting of the government it is to charge people in prison $5 for two tampons, which like won't even last a day. Um, I just like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, um, yeah, horrible. Exactly. Um, Oh, sorry, I didn't realize I like muted mid-sentence. <laughs> Go ahead, um, Makai, like, did you have something? <laughs> oh, I was just gonna say like, you know, when you put those like restrictions on people, it creates this like, you know, anxiety obviously, and it, it encourages, you know, people to come up with solutions for themselves. And oftentimes those solutions are, you know, make it last stuff like that and it's like this is one of those things where you can't do that you can't make a tampon last because you're putting yourself at major risk and so it's not something you can like you know do anything like that for it's it's just crazy to think that that isn't thought of as like a basic human right you know it's it's like they have access to bathrooms, to, you know, being clean. But then when it comes to something that is required in order to not only be like clean and healthy, but just to like, you know, have your dignity and like feel like you can take care of yourself. It's just crazy that that's the thing that, you know, is overlooked. Yeah. And I was kind of just like thinking about, you know, these women and menstruators that are dealing with this. And I was thinking about how much worse it would be for women with like endometriosis or there's so many like different conditions that can make your period super irregular, super difficult to track or really heavy like polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I know even like women with diabetes have like a tougher time. So it's just like, I just can't imagine, especially for those women who like can't even like track like when they're gonna get a period or when they do, it's like something completely debil debilitating and there's no like structures there for them. There's, it's just like horrible. Yeah, for sure. Like, um, and it also just comes down to like educating, um, pro like providing proper education for these correctional officers or people that work at um, jails. I, I think it's like pretty dehumanizing, like what we've discovered. And it reminds me, I know this is a little off tangent, but it, I, I think it does fall under a similar umbrella of how dehumanizing jails can be but I, re I remember this woman who was giving birth in her jail cell but like um the officers were just ignoring her and she was basically screaming that she was in pain 
and that she's going to have her baby um, and that her water broke, but people are just uh, ignoring her. So I, I don't understand why um, woman or any gender that bleeds has to go through this. It's so it's so ridiculous to me. And like it reminds me of the um this is also a bit off tangent, but like this reminds me of the Stanford prison experiment, but basically like even normal people, like when they're put in this uh situation or this facility, they feel power and they can actually um do very horrible things to other average and normal people, even though they aren't police officers not sorry not police officers but like um yeah like cops that work in jails from the start so maybe it has something to do with um the mentality that's being adopted within these jails um which prevents them from actually seeing you know women or other genders as actual human beings so yeah, I remember learning about the Stanford prison experiment and like reading about it. And I remember it got so bad, like some of the participants who were inmates, like one of them, I like faced like a mental breakdown. And that was the only way that they were able to leave. And it was just so horrific. And like, I feel like that was only like a couple of days. And I can't even imagine like having um, inmate, like the inmate and I guess officers who like in prison, like that relationship for years and particularly with women in menstrual issues that aren't talked about um, even specifically in prisons, like how um, the language with that or like not understanding menstruation. Um, yeah, I feel like that is just not talked about enough. And um, yeah, I'm glad like you guys brought up this concept of like, um, how people in power might be like abusing their power by ignoring these issues or um, how like they might have a diluted perception of like what's actually happening um, to menstruators in prisons because um, when I was thinking about like these policies um, like essentially like I feel like over the past like few years I've just gotten to really realize how how much our li lives just re revolve around policies or how much government policies pretty much determine the course of our lives and like what we can and cannot do um and so when you look at these policies um that historically have been created by men um who like most of whom like don't menstruate so it it like just allows you to kind of understand the importance of movements like the feminism movement that so many people have just started trashing all of a sudden now. But it's like you begin to realize that traditionally all these policies and these institutions have been created with men in power. And so um, the needs of women and menstruators have been ignored. So you see that um, it, like that still happens to this day, um, which is so upsetting and for people to like not, maybe people are, aren't just aware of these things, but some may just overlook them and not think that they're as big of a concern. And I think it's just like people saying, oh, well, if this issue doesn't affect me, like then I'm not just, I'm just not gonna care about it. It's not something worth um, fighting for. 
Yeah, that's why it needs to be talked about more because a lot of people don't, it doesn't come to mind or they can't imagine what it feels like. If maybe if you mention your period to somebody who has never had their period, they wouldn't, they can't, they wouldn't know like what we go through at all. And um, it's not talked about a lot in the media um, in, in a lot of um, shows centered around people who would menstruate. It's not really brought up either what I guess because like the public wouldn't really want to hear about it as well because it is a stigma still and being homeless like is also a stigma so that just makes it worse for homeless women or menstruators as well because then they're always in the public eye um, there's no privacy and they always have to move around sometimes so this can just make it way harder especially if they don't have a relaxing mm-hmm. spot to be in yeah. yeah and also it's just like the fact that in the video, you know, so many of them mentioned, you know, it's either I buy menstrual products or I eat. And just the thought of like having to go through that thought process of like, okay, today, do I want to eat or do I want to not bleed through my clothing? It's just, it's unbelievable. And, you know, it, it makes you think like, what, what are solutions to this? Like, how can that be, you know, how can that be addressed? And it's like, first of all, why are these products so expensive? You know, and also, you know, a lot of the solutions are, okay, so access to menstrual products, menstrual products in homeless shelters, but then you hear a lot of these homeless people saying they don't feel safe in the homeless shelters, so they're not in them. So then, you know, if that's, if that would be the area where they could access it, but they don't feel safe, then, you know, it just shows the the lack of like thought that has been put into this like in the past. And the fact that, you know, this video is a few years old and those situations are still, you know, major issues today. It's just, it's just crazy. And it just shows the importance of like discussions like this and actually recognizing those issues and thinking of, you know, what can be done to address them. Exactly. And um, like speaking of stigma, um, which Celia, you and uh, Mikhaila both we have mentioned, um, like I think the most insensitive thing that I have heard, and I think that a lot, like uh, hopefully not a lot, but that some people for sure are going to say in reaction to this video is, um, well, you know, if they're homeless, then that's their fault that they can't afford to things for themselves right and I think that's the most insensitive and ignorant thing you can say because um it's there's a lot that goes into a person resulting in homelessness no one chooses to be in that situation um like that one um lady that was um speaking in the video she said that she's she comes from a broken home Um, She never had the protection of a parent. Um, She comes from an abusive home. So for people to like expect her to figure things out on her own, I think that's just so insensitive. And um, she didn't choose to be there. She doesn't choose homelessness. Um, It's something Mm -hmm. that came to her as a result of her not being in um, circumstances that um, facilitated her growth. Um, I just feel like I needed to like mention this because yeah you know it just like broke my heart when I like when I hear people saying that things like homelessness are like the homeless person's fault as opposed to a system that fails them 
No, that's honestly a really relevant point, Jacqueline. Like, I'm glad you brought it up because we need to like understand that homelessness, it's not like, it's not a personality thing. It's, it's not like, oh my God, like they spend so much money on drugs and alcohol, which is why they're poor. Like that's, that's not it at all. It's literally the system that's failed them. And as we've seen in the video, like the woman who was talking about her story, I think she was being moved around as young as six years old. And just imagine like, without the guidance of, you know, a parent or a mother who, who would talk about, um, like what it's like to go through periods and how you can put on a tampon or how you can put on a pad. So without that, that figure that could help you, it's so difficult just um, going through this. And also like on top of the accessibility issue, I was just thinking about um, the LGBTQ community and transgenders. Um, If there isn't a gender neutral washroom, like where do they go? So that's another thing I've been thinking about. So there's just a lot like of accessibility issues um, regarding um, period poverty, which is really sad. Yeah, and it's like, oh, oh, go. (laughs) Don't worry, you can go. Well, I was just gonna say like about homelessness, it's it's just the fact is it's just so multifactorial. Like it's, it's just the combination of so many things that combined lead to a situation where someone is homeless. And, you know, I think we often attribute it to single circumstances. Like, oh, they have, you know, they're dealing with a mental illness. Well, a lot of people deal with mental illnesses, but their circumstances and their support systems allow for them to still like have a nice home and family and still have a life where they have access to all these things. But, you know, when all of these things combine and someone is left with no support and no access, it's the last thing that they need to feel is that they aren't even able to you know, take care of something that they can't help. You know, no one is able to, you know, say, oh, I don't, I don't feel like having a period. So I'm just going to not have it ever. You know, it's, it's just crazy. And it's something that no one can do anything about. You can't help it, whether you like it or not. And to be in a situation where everything is out of your control and you can't even deal with something that just happens for reasons that, you know, you can't control. It's just, it's crazy. And I can't imagine that, like, you know, dealing with all the other factors and then also having that be out of your control. It's just, it just, it's awful. Yeah. And kind of what you guys all said, um, there are, I feel like a lot of stereotypes about people who are street involved. Um, And it like, this video like I remember watching this a couple years ago and this kind of started um my interest in like learning more about period poverty just because it's so raw and like hearing um I think her name was Crystal like tell her story um about how yeah like a broken home and how she ended up on the street and um yeah it's just it's so hard to hear but it's also like 
people on the streets have their own story and that's kind of what she was saying like each one of them have a story and they're each like people just like all of us um and yeah and so it I really love this video like this is just like um it sums up so well like all the different like health concerns like um concerns with like uh yeah like bleeding through your clothing like feeling just like dehumanized um and so yeah makes you feel something yeah and like uh I was just gonna say like shame is the lowest vibration um people can feel that's the lowest yeah so that's the lowest feeling um people can have and to feel shameful of something so natural and biological that happens with your body and to be shamed by society and stereotyped is is so awful and it just gets worth worse um especially like if we take an intersectional lens on this you know there's different overlapping um characteristics of people like whether they believe belong in described communities or not like it, it just creates more and more obstacles um towards something that should be supported by everybody in society um so yeah like yeah this was just really impactful for me too sarah like i i watched this a few years ago too so um it really opened my eyes and like it made my like blood burn <laughs> it really yeah, does because mm-hmm. the what's seen as the normal normal body is um a body that doesn't bleed right and then when we see that something coming out of someone we're like ew that's gross and also i feel like it's just the media it's what we're taught how people are portrayed in the media homeless people especially they're portrayed as like creepy scary and stuff like that and a lot of people don't come into contact with homeless people so they don't know how these people are actually like they're just regular people and it's just different situations occurred that led them to where they are now and we just have to take that to account and I'm, I'm glad that there's um now there's more places that talk about this kind of stuff but it's kind of annoying at the same time because why should we be explaining this stuff people should be learn about this growing up or look it up themselves if they don't know about it why do they they need to come to menstruators or homeless people to ask about these questions but it's also good because we're educating people as they grow up to learn these things it's just annoying when like let's say you're transgender or um and somebody doesn't know something and they ask a question um what if they don't want to talk about it and they don't always want to be the teacher every single time you know yeah, exactly. And it make like it makes me realize like how unaware I was when I was younger, like learning about periods in school and hearing, you know, like these are tampons, these are pads, these are things that you will use. And it just never occurred to me like, oh, those are things that, you know, you have to buy and mm. you have to pay for if they're not just available to you, you mm-hmm. know, which is like, why wouldn't you think of that? But it was just kind of like, it was never said like, you know, these are expensive and they're hard to access for a lot of people who need them. It was just like, this is what you're going to use. Mm-hmm. And then when I got my period, I told my mom and they were just available to me, which is yeah. like, you don't realize how privileged that is. And to just have it made available to you the minute you need it, and to have someone say, this is how you do it. This is what you need. I'll, ha- I'll give them to you. Just tell me when you need them. 
like that's crazy and i you know at the time it's just like oh yeah this is what happens this is what you do like you tell your mom <laughs> and then she gives them to you you know and it's like why was why did no one say you know there's this whole other thing going on and it's like mm. you know it should be a right it should be like that you mm-hmm. hope that everyone can have an experience like that and it makes you feel really lucky but it should have been taught that that's not how it is and that's not yeah. you know the default I always is- thought it was weird like we learned how to put like condoms on bananas but we were never learned how to put on a tampon or a pad and you know what I need to give a shout out to Whaley because I really love her like how to put on a tampon video it is so funny and hilarious like you have to check it out it's just so funny like she she has like her notebook and then she draws like a vagina and then she's just like okay guys like you just need to like lift your leg up like this don't be scared it's fine like it's just like I learned more from that video than I ever did from public education so that's something else yeah I do remember my first experience with a tampon I remember watching I feel like it was um oh I can't remember it was like Rachel I forget what her name is but she was had a video about how to insert a tampon. She was like a big YouTuber. And I was like, why is this my education on how I put on a tampon? And I was like, yeah, public <laughs> school system. I, I used to volunteer at a sexuality clinic and um, they'd take in anybody and talk to them. They had a needle exchange section. So they helped um, provide drug supplies for people and they also had free condoms and stuff like that but they didn't have free menstrual products which is weird I don't get it that's so weird wait what yeah they showed me all their supplies I think but they never showed me like period products wait that's so weird that doesn't make sense It, it, it was really weird and they had like um it was like a peel one so they have a bunch around but they they I'm glad that they had um condoms and stuff but they didn't have other essential needs Wait, like at food banks or like where, like specifically like their own office? It's a clinic. Yeah. Like their own clinic? Yeah. Yeah. They probably did, but it wasn't for free. Maybe. They never showed it to me. That's so weird. That's so bizarre to me. Like, I don't understand. mm -hmm. But other things were free. Yeah. And like, I don't know, like hearing about all this stuff, it just like, I don't know. It makes me want to like share like ways that people can help because it it's like it makes me angry like hearing these things and seeing these things and you know so I feel like I don't know like I know Jacqueline you know some uh ways that people can help and you know I feel like it's just so important to not only talk about issues but also talk about ways that like everyone that like anyone can get involved and play a part in it you know so um, I know there's the period purse um, that, and I know Jacqueline knows maybe more about that. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up. The period purse, what I thought was unique about this organization is that they have this, um, I guess, this program called Sponsor and Menstruator, which is $15 a month. And I guess this just makes sure that every month, the um, you sponsor a homeless menstruator and you're able to provide them with your products and it's not like limited a number of period products but it's like you know sufficient so that they can get through a cycle without worrying about uh, food or periods uh, you know um, which I thought was really unique so there's that system in place 
And there's also donations to organizations like here, like our organization, like other campus organizations, um, like, or like similar organizations around the world that have been working so hard to make sure that peer products are um, available to people who may not be able to afford them. One thing that I thought was really, really unique um, is that there's this man in India who invented this machine um, that um, women are able to use to create period products themselves. And um, they are like, in, uh, they're like low cost period products. Um, and essentially this machine, not only is it able to provide period products to uh, people in need in rural areas where, not, where they're not able to have period products being exported to them. Um, so it's able to provide these period products to those rural communities in India. But at the same time, the fact that these women are able to engage in the process of creating those period products themselves creates a locally viable um, economy as well, which um, I thought was so unique. So I don't know if it's like something that we can make happen, but if like these sort of initiatives are um, created in Canada and around the world where, you know, period poverty is still an issue, I think like that's also a long-term solution to this problem. Like perhaps they can have these machines in presence so that um, people are able to create their own period products according to their needs. Perhaps they can have systems where, um, for example, I know Sheck at McMaster had um, this, um, was it they were trying to create cloth pads so um like people could go in and create cloth pads themselves so just kind of like being able to create these period products yourself according to your need just making it more accessible in these communities because um it does seem as if it's something that is possible just looking around the world and seeing how many people have been able to do it i think that's also a long-term solution but so far i think the most easiest like short-term solution to this issue would just be donating, sponsoring a menstruator. And the other thing that I thought about was talking openly about periods to begin with, especially if you have younger siblings and get them engaged in conversations about periods. And this is how you get rid of that stigma um, from a young age, just normalizing conversations about periods amongst the youth so that when they grow up, periods aren't um, you know, they aren't surprised by periods. It's not a shock to them. They just know it exists from a young age. Yeah, um, normalizing it would be really good. And uh, there's also a lot of readings now, like scientific studies that have been done um, on homelessness and periods, which is really cool. I just Google scholar a bunch of them and I'm really glad that there's more coverage on it now. So like if people want to read up on that, they can just Google it easily and get a lot of information. Yeah, um, I think that's definitely a big one too. The fact that scientific institutions are finally like talking about these things, that's how you know that it's finally reached those people that have um, like the power and the influence to make change possible. It's super exciting. Um, and I guess as we're nearing kind of the end of our conversation, I also like wanted to mention this fact that um, since we've spoken of some uh, communities that are vulnerable to pure poverty more than other communities, so for instance, homelessness, um, LGBTQ plus community, um, I also wanted to mention the indigenous community where a box of tampons can run from $16 to more than $45. 
And this period poverty is compounded by a lack of food security and access to clean water. So um, it's just hard to imagine that, um, you know, in, in these communities that not only are you dealing with, um, you know, not being able to just have access to clean water, but um, everything is just so expensive. So a box of soup is gonna be a lot more expensive in the North than um, here in the South. So just thinking about these communities and um, finding ways to make things more accessible to them, I think that's so important. And hopefully we can have um, our next peer talk on um, the indigenous community and their experiences with periods. Yeah, that was great. I really liked what everybody brought up today. It was really good. Thank you so much <laughs> for bringing up all those ideas. I think we learned a lot. It was like that, that I'm glad that we had this talk. Yeah, me too. Thank it just you. like, it. I feel like it's so important to, you know, recognize um, these things. And because I feel like in, in my everyday conversations about periods, a lot of it is like, oh, so annoying, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh my God, I have my period. I don't want to do anything. I just want to lie in bed. <laughs> and it's like, obviously it's totally okay to have those conversations and important to be able to just speak freely about periods, but it's also important to talk about them from the perspective of someone else who is dealing with their period in a completely different way mm -hmm. and doesn't have the same access and to recognize, you know, that, that we're lucky to have access to these things. And it doesn't make it, you know, still, it doesn't make it easy to have a period, but it makes you realize that, you know, you, that we have access to these things that make it manageable. And yeah, it just makes me feel really lucky that, you know, I can have a tampon when I want one. And yeah, it's just really, yeah, I think it's really important to think about those things. Thank you for listening to the Period McMaster podcast. For more information, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Period McMaster or email us at McMasterPeriod at gmail.com.